to a Hope 103.2 podcast. Hello and welcome to the Raising Teens Q&A, where we answer your questions about, well, raising teens. This is Colette Smart. I'm a psychologist and a teacher and I am your host. I've had so many good questions emailed to me that this season I decided to intersperse our expert topics with questions from you. I'm always thinking of ways to make what we talk about on this podcast as practical as I can, which is why I have some of the best experts join us to become part of your village. So I'm really thrilled because this season's Q&A, I'm joined by friend of the podcast, Michelle Mitchell, and we are going to be answering your Q&As together. You'll probably remember Michelle because she has been a guest on the podcast twice. We covered self-harm in season four and then tweens and puberty in season six, which I think was one of the most fun episodes I've done. I like to affectionately refer to Michelle as the queen of tweens as her new book called Tweens was released earlier this year. Hello again, Michelle. We are back for our third Q&A for the season. And it is so lovely to be with you, Colette. Let's go. So today's one is titled, When Your Kids Won't Do Anything. I know that for a lot of us as parents, we get to places where we just feel like no matter how much we ask, no matter how much we beg and cajole, no matter how many parenting books we feel like we've read, it just doesn't seem to work. And so let's just have a quick listen at this parent's question. I've been listening to a number of your podcasts recently. I know in one episode, there was something about eating well, sleeping well, and getting physical activity, which are all things my kids used to do, but won't do any more now that they're older. There's also the fact that they won't clean up after themselves or go to school. It's one thing to know that these things are good for teens, but how do I get them to do these things? How do I get my kids to eat, sleep and move when all they do by choice is sit or lie in front of a screen or two? It's currently 10.40am and my teenager is still in bed and will miss classes today. They haven't showered since Friday or cleaned their teeth for at least a month. They ate an okay lunch yesterday as there was a family gathering, but other than that, it was just popcorn and Mentos. I feel like a total failure in life, but I know I do other things better than parenting. I've not done any of those three things well, and still don't. If I'd done it anywhere near well, we wouldn't be in the mess that we're in. How do we get them to do what is good for them? They've both seen psychologists, but nothing seems to move their lives in a positive direction. So I feel like in that question, Michelle, there's a lot of backstory that we obviously don't know. We don't know finer details about what's going on for this family. I'm not sure if there's a partner or not, because that's not really stated. But I really feel like this parent seems to say that they're failing, but they've reached out. They've asked us a question. And in some of the emails that I've had, it's not the first one I've had from this parent, is is almost like they assume people think they don't care as a parent. And I said to them, the fact that you wrote me a response and you're reaching out tells me how much you care for your kids. And so I know that their children are also seeing different professionals, but I really feel like for this parent, 
they're needing some support and some care themselves. And I feel like maybe, Colette, in this podcast, what we can give this mum is just that little bit of sense of hope. When I was at a parent night last week, I asked a group of 50 parents how they felt when their kids were struggling. And they unanimously said that they felt like a failure. Yep. No. And that's a big word, isn't yes. it? Yes. When we love our kids and we're investing in them every day and we feel like a failure. And when we're bringing that energy to parenting, what happens is we lose the leadership presence that we need. And we lose that in-charge energy that keeps things moving in the right direction. And that's Mm. no shame on this mum, but what I want to say is sometimes there's moments where you need to step back and nurture and look after yourself so you can come back into something with a leadership presence and, and not beat yourself up about having to take some time out to do that. Yeah. Yeah. And I also think, you know, just a few of the things in her question was her concern about her child not eating really well, not having good hygiene. That also tells me that there's other stuff going on there for that child. You know, there's a lot of underlying stuff, the school refusal. It is important, I think, that they're their child continues with a professional to work on what's going on there. But I also say sometimes, and I know it cannot feel like it's a wonderful win, but she does mention that the day before the child then joined a family gathering and still ate a really healthy meal. And, And I'm thinking that that is a win, actually. Yeah, maybe the whole day they didn't eat very well, but they did eat a healthy meal. And that is not nothing. And when we feel like a failure, we don't see those wins. Yeah. And it's often those small wins that do lead to other wins. Wins produce wins, no matter how small they are. And sometimes we just need to get that ball rolling in the right direction without suffocating it with feelings of despair and negativity as well. And and not that I'm suggesting this parent is doing that. I'm just saying that it's really hard to get those positive neurochemicals pumping when we're feeling a little bit like a failure. Um, Can I just bring up the question, Colette, of recognising what's a normal challenge that kids might be facing and what isn't? And I think you just touched on that. When kids are teenagers, they're obviously going to have completely different priorities than we do. But their brains really are wired to want to be with their friends and they they are wired to, you know, want to go and explore the world and have some independence. And I guess when I read this question, I really saw a lot of things that did concern me. There was a lack of motivation for those normal things like hygiene and appearance and wanting Mm. to go to school and being with friends. And I'm really glad you, you brought up the thought about how important it is to get professionals involved when it becomes issues that are impacting their capacity to engage in everyday life. Yeah. yeah. And I think the mum talks about in the email, in the past, and I'm thinking in the past would have been, you know, when they were in primary or they were younger, they were eating well and doing all these things. And and I know with some of the parents that I work with, when their kids are going through a really tough time. It can feel like it's never going to get better again. Absolutely. And we compare it to when they were children and they were easy to manage. Yes. And yeah. if I can say to this mum, you know, I've I've had a psychology clinic, I've had 12 staff there. We've worked with hundreds of families a year. Um, and that was a really big part in my career. And I often noticed there was this 18 month gap mm. where 
things would got really tough for families if kids were struggling, but if they could pace themselves through that period of time, there was there was often hope at the end of that tunnel. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe I can suggest a discussion for this mum and and how to wade in on that. Yeah. I would probably this is just one thought for her, okay? But maybe bring up um the topic with her kids or child is look, this is not making me feel good and this is actually not making you feel good. What can we do? What is one thing that we can work on together? And what would be a small enough start point that would work for both yeah. you and me? Because yeah. I think sometimes we want to conquer the mountain when <laughs> let's just look at where can we put our foot next? And when things are really dark and really difficult, it's that next best step we need to focus on. Because if we focus beyond that, it, it just gets overwhelming. Yeah. And I'm so glad you said that because it's that pick one thing. In this email, there's a lot of things that the mum feels like are going wrong. And there are, you know, yeah. from her perspective, there are lots of things going on, the eating, yeah. the school refusal, the bedtimes yeah. and all that. But if we try and focus on 10 things or five things, it overwhelms you as a parent. So you actually can't Mm -hmm. move forward and your child feels overwhelmed. And so then you give up very quickly because it is too much. So picking that one thing, and and I think also working in conjunction with a professional, if your child has a professional, between the three of you together, say, what is that one thing that would work that we could slowly move forward on? And what does that look like? What would that look like? starting with hygiene, what would that look like tomorrow or next week? And if the child says, well, it's not hygiene, I'm not doing that one, then you say, well, picking nothing isn't an option. We have to pick something. Which thing would you like to pick? And you are then moving forward tiny steps. I love that. And what resilience looks like for one child is very different than what it looks like for another. And it's very easy for us as parents to look at someone else's kids and think that's what my child should be looking like right now. But we've got to really get our expectations right for our own kids. And I think that question, what would feel like a win for me? What would feel like a win for them? And, you know, some kids feel just really bad about the fact that they're, you know, not able to get up and have a shower every morning. And if they did that, it would boost how they felt about themselves quite considerably. So that might be a really big win for them and it may not be it's all about trying to see out of their window and what matters to them right now because what we're really really looking at here is is maintaining resilience during a difficult time Mm -hmm. uh, so we can get through the other side of it in a stronger way I'm looking at this question and thinking some parents would be thinking well you know what about the natural consequences you know why doesn't the mum stop washing the child's clothes and they won't have clean clothes and then they'll have to help with the clothes but perhaps this child who doesn't care about hygiene won't care about that and so sure for most parents I would say pick the natural consequence like letting your child take ownership of the washing or uh, helping with the the dishes or helping with the cooking. And if there isn't cooking that night, then they don't get the meal. And, but I also get that for this parent, that child seems not to care. So it's not as simple as that. For some parents, we might say that, but for this parent, it might be the tiny steps. And I think it always comes back to what I know you and I talk about a lot is coming back to connection with your child. How can you, in a tiny way, still connect and preserve that relationship while there's all this turmoil? 
And also for the mom, I don't want her to feel like the servant in the home or the one who's always struggling. I want you to get some support that you have You may not have a village around you, but one other person that you can connect with and reach out to that can be your sounding board. I really feel like you need somebody for you. And it would be so irresponsible for me to, you know, even suggest diagnoses without knowing a family and it's not even in my qualifications, but a child that's completely unmotivated, that really does scream depression, you know, and and I I think that's just really important to recognize that for some kids who are struggling with poor mental health, natural consequences is actually the worst thing for them because it just reinforces what they're already struggling with. Thank you, Michelle. Thank you so much for joining us today. And please, if any parents are are struggling, please reach out to your local helpline, reach out to your local kids helpline. There are so many resources out there for you. Even your GP is usually the best place to start. And thank you for joining Michelle and I for this Q&A. You can find more about Michelle's work at michellemitchell.org. And if you have a question about raising teens, please send them via my Facebook page at Colette Smart or my website at raisingteens.au. Please subscribe and review wherever you listen to your podcasts. I'd love to see you next episode. And in the meantime, keep parenting with your teen's future adult in mind. This episode was hosted by Colette Smart, edited and produced by Alec Green, imaging by Lucy Weil, and social media by Beth Rivers. This is a Hope 1032 production. Thanks for listening.